Welcome to Joy in Learning, a podcast from the Harley School in Rochester, New York. We're an independent school for nursery through grade 12, where there's always lots of interesting learning going on for us to share with you. For this episode, I spoke with Jeff Lindstrom, senior designer at Beanstalk Natural Playgrounds, about the incredibly exciting project that's going on right now here at Harley. Enjoy! Here with Jeff Lindstrom, who was the designer of the um, new being built right as we speak, Winslow Natural Playground and Outdoor Learning Center. Jeff, welcome and thanks for taking time today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Would you take just a minute and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, you and your company, and a little bit about your background. Absolutely. Um, so, as you said, my name's uh, Jeff Lindstrom. I'm the creative director and senior designer at Bean and Stock Natural Playgrounds. We are a natural playgrounds company based out of Hamilton, Ontario, about two and a half hours from here. Um, we've been around for about 10 to 15 years in some capacity. We are a company of landscape architects, designers, craftsmen, educators, and trainers who build natural playgrounds, um, who advocate for, um, design and install, um, natural playgrounds in some capacity or another. So for us, no two projects are the same. Um, but at the core of every project is the focus of connecting kids to the natural world when and where they play. Uh, my background personally, I came to Bean and Stock with um, a background in landscape architecture. Uh, so I've always operated in, in that profession, uh, both in the nonprofit and the private sector. Uh, my degree was uh, from uh, University of Wisconsin Madison uh, in landscape architecture with a focus of youth development and community revitalization. So personally, I've always had an interest in the way that kids play. Uh, what influences the way that they engage a space and how to design uh, places that bring people together and connect them to the natural world. That's fantastic. So uh, how <laughs> you, you mentioned to me earlier how long when this process first started. Talk about how you approach a project of this scale. How does that start? How does the planning phase work? How do you get to where we are now? I think with a project of this scale, because we, we met for the first time 19 months ago, um, and the biggest challenge is to make sure that you have accurate representation of every group that's possible without having too many people involved, because at some point it does become counterproductive. Uh, so you want to make sure that everybody feels heard. Uh, so at the beginning, we carefully kind of curate a list of people who are engaged, uh, people who want to take part in the process, uh, and very intentionally kind of build a steering committee uh, that we work with to make sure that all of the concerns are incorporated into the design process. Uh, everybody has a voice in some capacity or another, and then we make sure that that steering committee really is the conduit back to the rest of the other groups within. So the different uh, schools within Harley, for example, the nursery school, the lower school, uh, even the middle school and high school, making sure that there's some representation from everybody who touches those groups. Uh, and then administrative, um, grounds, parents, community members, all of them have been interwoven into this process in some capacity or another. So that's where we start, making sure we have a good group of people. Uh, then we want to make sure that we have a really strong understanding of the site. So 
the hard part is making sure that we don't uh, appear as if we're coming from the outside in with all the solutions. We have our philosophy, the way that we do things, uh, the things that we know to be true, and the research that influences <laughs> our, uh, our design process. Um, but that's only one part of that. We need to make sure that we layer that with the story and the space um, that's unique to each client group that we work with. So obviously Harley has a very unique history, a very robust history um, that we really want to make sure that we celebrate. Uh, we have lots of different people with different backgrounds and different interests uh, who have viewed a project like this through different lenses. So we want to make sure all of that is layered into the design approach. And then uh, we make sure that all of those things, those considerations, uh, those different user groups um, are layered in with the unique uh, aspects and characteristics of the site. Um, so we are working in a, in a environmentally environmental protection overlay district, uh, which is often referred to as an EPOD. Um, so there were environmental considerations that needed to be taken um, with high regard, making sure that we worked with the town of Brighton, for example, uh, to make sure that we protected Allen Creek, that we preserved all of the trees that were there, and that we weren't going to um, worsen any you know environmental conditions such as flooding um, or stormwater management. Um, you know, no debris was going to flow off into the creek in the event of a, a heavy rainstorm. Um, so all those things went into the process. Uh, and eventually, we make sure that this is a very conscious conversation. So when we ask what it is that you want in this space, what are the challenges that you're facing as educators, as children, as parents, as community members in these two spaces that we're considering? Um, and how can we remediate that uh, through thoughtful design? So if we've done our job properly at the end of this all, uh, we really are just facilitators, taking those ideas and putting them on paper and modeling that up to be this great vision that's reflective of what everybody wants. Wow. So I, I understand that um, there is potentially a larger scale of the overall project that may have been talked about from the beginning. Um, right now, uh, there's a already a pretty large project going on out there yeah. that is the the lower school portion of it. Tell mm -hmm. me about the entire scale of the of the project. Yes. Uh, so f for this scope of the project, there's going to be actually two phases um, or, or two different portions. So you have the lower school that's under construction right now, um, and then you have the nursery school as well. So both of those are, are phase one, if you will. Um, and so by the end of construction, we're looking at um, end of November, beginning of December. Hopefully we can wrap everything up, um, depending on the weather. But um, that's phase one. And then in the future conversations, uh, and as we first started designing this space, we were really looking at what the whole campus starts to look like. So we had about five different spaces uh, that made up this comprehensive vision. And the purpose of that was to think about how these two projects fit in the context of something a, a bit bigger than this. What does this look like moving forward, not just in the short term? Um, so we were thinking about um, multiple generations, making sure that this accommodates every age group, um, not just in the school, but also for the adults, for the families, community members as well. Thinking about the flexibility of programming, 
So yes, it's here to be an extension of the classroom to make sure that it supports all the wonderful things that are happening inside these walls at the Harley School, but also thinking about how this allows us maybe event space uh, during sporting events, during fundraisers, during cocktail hours, during um, after hours functions or student functions. All of those things uh, went into our brainstorming of what this could eventually be. Now, those future phases are still under um, consideration. We've got some ideas going and we've modeled up some some cool visuals. But um, as we start to take lessons learned from phase one, likely that will influence you know what we start to see in the years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you talked a little bit about the, the, the ideas for different uses of the space. Uh, that sort of makes me think about this idea of natural play versus uh, uh, the more traditional standard playground. Can you talk about that a little bit? How is this different from just your everyday run-of-the-mill playground? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, um, I always like to clarify that we're not purists by any means. Um, there's some really awesome play spaces that incorporate a hybrid of some traditional play elements uh, and more nature-based play elements. And 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 the word nature play uh, frequently is, is um, I don't want to say it's overused, but it's something that has a, a ever-changing definition. Yeah. And so um, we think about our play experiences uh, as this opportunity to engage all of our different body parts, um, both our large muscle, fine muscle, uh, making sure that they're both cognitively and physically stimulating, uh, and that there's always these open-ended play opportunities. Uh, And when I say that, what I mean is every time you come back to that play space, um, you know, whether it be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the weekend, the next year, there's always the promise for something new. Right. And that's what keeps us coming back to places as people. And so when we design a natural playground, we're thinking about things much more organically. Things are a bit more unexpected, but there's also lots of loose parts and there's lots of opportunity to manipulate these spaces. So the biggest difference between a natural playground and a traditional playground is the ability for the users to start to build their own experiences, whether it be fort building, whether it be creating slack lines between two vertical pieces or climbing that big, funky, organic, you know, sideways tree structure and boulders, um, or just playing in the sand. Um, All of those give children the opportunity to engage in a different fashion from one day to the next. Now, in a traditional play environment, oftentimes what we see (coughs) is children are a lot of the thinking is done by the designer or by the person who is has installed or constructed the project. So it's climb here, jump here, <coughs> slide here, swing here. And the problem with that is that can only stay engaging for so long. And once the child's done all that, then they need to find a way to make that interesting again. And so that's when injuries happen. And so that's the biggest difference between the two spaces, and I could go on and on. Uh, but I would say... Most of the fact is uh, between the two is that a natural playground is more child driven uh, and it's the user who creates that experience rather than the component that creates the experience. So I apologize for my cough. I'm in the middle of a cold and (laughs) having a hard time here. No worries. (coughs) So um, again, on that topic of sort of the mixed use space, um, you uh, sort of alluded to the to um, having more folks in the space. And you talked about this. We just did a live stream outside. 
you talked about areas for teaching. Uh, talk to me about some of the some of the opportunities for this to become a teaching space, mm-hmm. um, as well as a, sort of a recess type environment. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, uh, and building off of that last bit about the difference between natural play spaces and, and traditional play spaces, um, oftentimes uh, we design a traditional playground. Uh, for the really type A behavior, frenetic, very physical play. Uh, And oftentimes the problem with those play spaces is that the most physical children and the most active children are the ones who thrive. And as anybody who has children or knows a few or works in the education world understands, um, every child is different. And whether it be their character, their behavior, the way they engage with each other, their social nuances, um, we can't design spaces for one type of child. Uh, And so we're thinking about all of the different behavior settings throughout. So yes, we have a big central funky climbing component that allows kids to engage all those large muscles, to climb, to scale, to, to challenge themselves in different ways depending on their comfort levels. But then we also have more quiet contemplative nooks like that kind of outdoor space that actually has some tables and some stumps so children can sit and work on something that's a bit more engaging um, or a little more passive if you will. Um, And then we think about how we engage these different pockets of plant material as well to not only buffer the spaces, but to create these smaller nooks uh, where kids can maybe find an area of refuge and see, you know, everything else that's going on and not feel totally excluded from the activity. Um, But really start to create their own spaces within. Um, So it's not only aesthetic, but it's functional as well. And then as you move out throughout the rest of the spaces, you have this very conscious balance of gross motor, sensory engagement. We like to make sure all five senses are engaged at all times um, because that connects us to space and means that we're actually thinking about what we're doing. Um, And then these opportunities to just manipulate to create, to build, uh, to express ourselves, much like we do in a classroom. Uh, So when we think about the whole picture, it's this whole expansion of opportunities that exist inside the building, outside as well, uh, but just in a totally different scale in a much more natural environment. So uh, regardless of what children want to engage in, um, there's opportunities to do that. And through conscious design, they can understand where those opportunities exist in these spaces. Uh, So that's kind of how we approach it. So I, I'm I'm going to ask you that sort of uh, question about, you know, it's almost like asking a parent who their favorite kid is. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite spot in this area? Yes. Um, and I think part of it is because of the process. Um, so one of the unique parts of this project was not only the people who were involved, but the fundraising process as well, uh, and also how we split the construction between ourselves um, and members of the Harley family uh, who exist in the construction world locally as well. And so uh, we've been doing a lot of collaboration back and forth uh, where we're doing what we do with the log work, the play components, and all of those custom features. Um, but then uh, they've been doing a lot of the drainage, the earthwork, um, and a lot of the, the heavy moving of land. And so 
as part of this um, divvying up of, of scope of work uh, between the two parties, um, we identified one element that we wanted to be that big centerpiece and that big collaboration bit. And that's the, the, the gross motor climbing piece in the lower school. So right now, they're actually out there working with the telehandler to manipulate those two pieces of oak that were just taken down a couple days ago um, here locally in Rochester to conform uh, into a much larger single piece. And the way that we do that is by understanding the spacing of all of those limbs, how they um, connect with each other, but also how they are spaced from each other so that they meet all playground safety standards. And then that is tied into these larger boulders that were hand selected. So that element as it exists and all of the pieces within it have stories and and a multitude of conversations behind them that have led to you know what we're seeing being put out there right now so it's a labor of love um but i i think that that has to be probably my favorite part not just because of size but because of how many people have been involved in making that happen it's it, we've been talking about this now for a couple hours and and we've talked about that section a couple times and watching them move the those giant pieces outside you can really see your face light up as you talk about it so <laughs> I, I could i kind of thought yeah. that might be what you were gonna yeah. pick but uh, but it was great to hear uh so Jeff, I'm going to I'm going to let you go cuz you've been taking so much of your time today. You've been a really good sport uh, helping us out with a lot of things here. Is before we go, is there anything else that we didn't get to that you would like to talk about? Yes. Okay. Um, and I think that one of the things uh, is that a project like this is always evolving. Um, and while there's been a good group of people who have been involved on the front end of it because really even to this day we're still on the front end of a project. Um, this is really just giving you the bones to build an even better play space. Um, oftentimes I make this analogy to a house, you know, an architect and a builder construct your house, but you make it a home and we give you the, the right circulation paths the definition of spaces, making sure that all of those opportunities exist in this play space, but it becomes that much better over time through the plant material that you add, through the things that are donated. You know, as we look out there and we started construction, there's bits that we needed to preserve because they were donated in memory of somebody or in honor of, uh, and all those things get to get layered in so that the story really starts to get woven throughout the landscape. And I would just really encourage anybody who has any investment in this outdoor space uh, to take that initiative, um, to find a way to be involved, to take ownership and pride in this because it really has been a long time coming. Uh, this conversation about a natural playground at Harley School started more than 10 years ago. Uh, and to see it actually come to fruition, um, you know, and know that it's only going to become better over time is, uh, is really pretty inspiring. So I'd say get involved, find a piece of that that speaks to you uh, and find a way to make it your own. That's fantastic advice. Uh, this is a great project. It's been cool from my perspective, sort of seeing it come together and seeing it happen. And now that you say that, it's going to be exciting to watch it develop even after there's sort of a ribbon cutting yeah. uh, to sort of see how it evolves throughout the years. Absolutely. So, Jeff, thanks so much for, for taking so much of your time today. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today on Joy in Learning, the Harley Schools podcast. We look forward to sharing interesting stories, discussing educational topics, and exploring ideas with you on our next episode. See you again soon.